Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. Today, Julie and I are presenting to you the five-step system to win buyer business. Now, why is this important now? Because now more than ever, you're going to have to actually compete for that uh, buyer to want to work exclusively with you. So what we're going to be doing is going through the essentially our five-step system, and we're also then going to give you a lot of coaching and obviously scripting and all the rest of it so that when you are working with that buyer, even if that buyer is a referral buyer, even if you bought that buyer, you, you know, that buyer lead, you got to remember you're still going to have to win that buyer's trust and loyalty so they'll end up buying the house through you. That's right. It is a fact. Buyer side commissions are no longer a guarantee, no longer an entitlement. And actually, they never were, but we all just kind of acted that way. You can't just assume that you'll be receiving X percent on every transaction. Though this seems like a whole new stress-inducing worry for many of you, the fact is that commissions have never been a set amount just an expectation or a tradition in many markets. Now, if it is worth mentioning, if you've been uh, sleeping under a rock for the last you know, few months, that the commission-sharing lawsuits are, are really putting into, I would say, question whether or not the seller is going just to be, whether just to Julie's point, whether the buyer-side commission is going to be an automatic entitlement to the real estate transaction. We've done a lot of podcasts on that topic over the last few months. And frankly, for the last, I don't even know how many years, probably 10 years, Julie and I were predicting at some point buyer-side commissions would become a point of contention in the real estate transaction, not for the reasons that it actually turns out to be, but the reality of it is, is you're going to have to earn the right, just as if you're you know, wanting to be a listing agent for a seller, you have to earn the right to be that buyer's agent. Um, for now, for most of the country, just so you don't overly worry, buyer side commissions are frankly still operating as if they were the same, you know, just like they were last year, 18 months ago, or, you know, five years ago. But moving forward, you're going to have to assume that it's going to become more competitive and you're definitely going to have to stop taking such a social approach when working with buyers. You're going to have to start taking more of a professional, dare I say, sales approach to answering all their questions and frankly, getting them to commit exclusively to you as if that buyer were a listing. That's right. And we have, to your point, always coached our coaching clients that way. So if you are an existing coaching client, fear not. You already have the tools ready to rumble. But just to prove the point that, you know, these were always somewhat negotiable. For example, builders don't all pay the same buyer side commissions. In fact, some don't pay any buyer side commissions. For sale by owners are the same. It's time to get better at proving your worth on the buyer side because soon you might have to ask your buyers to pay all or some of your fee. And that brings us to your burning question. How do you provide overwhelming value to your buyer clients? How can you become more comfortable asking for an exclusive buyer agency and along with it an expectation to be paid for your hard work, regardless of what type of situation you're in. By the way, today's notes, as they always are, are down below. So if you want to open up the show description, whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube, obviously, there's like 30 other places this podcast is listening to, uh, listen to, just uh, you know, do so, open up, the notes are right there. And when you're there, do consider joining Premier Coaching. It's the next natural step in all of your real estate practices. Inside 
premier coaching, I forget which level, but you'll discover that there is a specific buyer presentation, a presentation you give to the buyers, you present to the buyers for the sake of having them commit to work exclusively with you. There's all kinds of scripts, all kinds of systems, a whole set of buyer USPs. In other words, it's not enough for you just to essentially have met that buyer socially. You're going to have to explain to them the whole process of buying a home and why you are an integral part of that transaction. Otherwise, frankly, they're not going to work with you. So this is an emergence. And what you're going to see is the emergence of, I don't even know what the word would be, but the professionalization of the buyer side of the real estate transaction more than it's ever been before. A lot of you have avoided being listing agents because you know it's going to take a lot more skill. You have to learn how to present. You're going to have to learn to overcome. Uh, objections. You're going to have to learn to compete. You're going to have to learn all these other things. And so that's the reason that for the most part, and this has been, you know, forever, that agents mostly, you know, they focus on working with buyers because it's more of a social side of the business. It's, you know, because why? There was no, if the buyer liked you and you liked the buyer, you're going to find him a house and the money was never a point of contention because it's pretty much always that the sellers paid the buyer commission. So it didn't cost the buyer anything to work with you. To Julie's point, what if in the near future, because this is what will happen in some markets faster than others, if you now have to get the buyer to commit to paying your buyer side commission? In other words, the buyer has to choose you and then obligate themselves in a contract, just like if we're a listing, to want to work exclusively with you. Now, good news is um, that's not going to happen, uh, I don't think, uh, maybe not even this year. And the other aspect of this, which is good news, is this is already being tested in different parts of the country. And for the most part, with obviously full disclosures, the sellers are still paying the buyer side commission. So, you know, whether or not this is a sea change to the way the industry works doesn't matter. What we're trying to focus you on is becoming more competitive so that even if like the seller still, you know, traditionally is paying buyer side commissions like they have in a traditional market, you still have a competitive advantage. Uh, when you choose when a buyer's you know trying to choose between you and somebody else and guess what that buyer might have a house to sell mm -hmm. and now you've got your foot in the door to get that listing I think what you're articulating here Tim is the professionalization of the buyer side yeah that you know we, we've been a little bit too lackadaisical as an industry about that and it's the highlighting of the commission lawsuits that have brought that to light i will say i don't think there's been a lackadaisical approach to actually servicing the buyers no i think there's a lackadaisical approach to actually essentially winning the business of the buyers i would agree with that because what buyers have done uh buyer agents have done they've just been mostly buying the leads correct and then at that point because again the, the way that the commission structure works the buyer is going to probably work with that uh, buyer agent and, you know, you're off to the races. But in the future, it's not going to work like that. Even if it is a bought lead in money markets, you're going to have to then uh, go to the next level and know how to sell that buyer into one of working with you, uh, just like as if you were trying to win a listing. Right. So, what is your value? Right. What is your value? And again, we teach you guys all this in Premier Coaching. And by the way, you can join Premier Coaching for free. Just scroll down below and click the link to join Premier Coaching or just go to premiercoaching.com. That's right. So we're going to talk about the top five ways to provide overwhelming value to your buyer clients. First, the fact is, if you're not doing anything for them that they can't do on their own, why would they hire you in the first place, much less potentially pay your fee or part of your fee? It is worth noting there that a lot of buyers do not know what you do after finding them a house. And that's the reason you're going to have to learn how to present to them in your pr presentation all the many, 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 many hours and moving parts to go into a real estate transaction after you even find them the house. That's right, because the goal is to provide such overwhelming value that you're all they're talking about to their friends. Repeat, referral, lather, rinse, and repeat again. That is the goal to make it extremely clear. And again, 
The podcast is training. Coaching covers the presentation, shows you how to do that. It is turnkey, but you do have to learn how to actually use it. So how do you provide value? Point number one, present to your buyer clients in the same professional manner that you do a listing client. Using that buyer presentation we keep referring to, where you outline exactly what the buying process is, what your role is, what the buyer or buyer's role is, and how you'll be working together to accomplish those goals. More and more, you'll start to compete for buyer business in a similar way that you do for listings. I am hearing this from coaching clients, Tim. That is happening. Part of that's the scarcity of inventory. Part of it is the commission lawsuits. And part of it is crazy headlines like, well, buyers have Zillow, right? So number two, again, we're talking about providing value. This is the big one here. Actually find them the dream, their dream home. One of the top concerns for buyers, as well as agents right now, is the historic lack of inventory. It is your job, not theirs, to find the right home for their needs. So stop waiting for them to send you a link to the house they want to see next. Drill down on their needs and get out there and find it. And I made a note here because we did an entire dedicated podcast. To it this. was like three days in a row, didn't we? Right, which is being more creative in your MLS searches. We've been working on enhancing not just the MLS as your primary tool, but we know that you will still, of course, use it. But we've done a lot of coaching and a lot of podcasts about how to find homes that aren't for sale in the MLS. So, you know, make sure you guys understand that if all you're doing is what the consumer is doing, which is just going to Zillow or Realtor.com, you already have made yourself obsolete and they're not going to work with you. You're not doing, frankly, you're not providing enough perceived value. And part of that is being more creative on your searches. So change the search area, change the type of home, or find an equally great school district to look in that has more inventory. Remove square footage as a requirement. Look for a three-bedroom with a loft instead of only four bedrooms, for example. Again, we did a podcast on how to be creative in your MLS searches, but we also did a podcast series, which is what you were mentioning, about methods that are not just your MLS to find inventory. And by the way, yes, we were going in your buyer presentation where you're trying to win that buyer's business, you're going to explain to them all the things that you're going to be doing to help them find a house, many of which, frankly, they can't or never would do on their own. That's way beyond just looking in MLS, aka Zillow and uh, Realtor.com. Way beyond. But they don't know you're doing it if you don't tell them. Yep. That's the way we have the presentation. All right, number three. Know and present solutions to get a better than average mortgage interest rate. Yes, it is possible, and rates are going to be a hot topic, you know, for months, quarters, and possibly years to come. You don't have to know as much as your competent mortgage lender does, but you should be able to competently discuss things like the 2-1 buy-down, adjustable rates, how to pay points to lock in a lower rate on a 30-year fixed mortgage, loop your lender in and have coffee with your buyer clients and lenders to discuss loan options that meet their goals. We're seeing more first-time buyer money out there. We're seeing uh, first responders. We did a show about first responder mortgages. There's all of these new, well, not really new, but refurbished <laughs> returning loan products because rates are higher than you know the two or three years that everybody was used to super low rates. So you need to be able to discuss that. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck when that buyer says, well, I'm just going to wait for rates to come down. So number four, be a matchmaker. This is something that our coaching clients, I have to say, I, I have to brag on them. They become extremely good at this. You must be more proactive than your buyer is. If they're dying to be in just one specific neighborhood, then door knock that neighborhood for them to uncover the next motivated seller. If they're in a new construction price range but haven't considered it, go take a video of a home that could be a match for them and see what their thoughts are. Or take them to the new construction on your next buying trip. If there's a for sale by owner in their desired neighborhood and price range, go talk to that seller, take a video, set up a showing before the buyer does that without you. 
something that agents love to complain about, right? The buyer beat me to it. And then number five, provide additional value by being one step ahead once they're actually pending. This is another thing that buyers don't see as an obvious value until you talk about it in your presentation. Practice what we like to call over-communication. Manage the inspection process so they don't freak out over small items. Also did a podcast about that last week. Set up their utilities for them. Recommend movers, homeowners insurance, anything else to alleviate their stress. Show your value by making the process smooth and pleasurable instead of stressful and confusing. Now, this is a special message to all of our top listing agents. And one of the goals of all of our top listing agents, and it's a worthwhile goal, I certainly, when Julie and I were selling real estate, uh, was working towards this goal as well, is not having to actually work with buyers. Because at the end of the day, uh, you know, buyers are the reasons that you guys get uh, burned out. Buyers are the reasons that you don't go to your social things and your kids' sports things. And, you know, because they're going to make you work when they're not working and they probably work during conventional hours, which means you're going to be working pretty much all the time. And uh, so one of the suggestions, and I know we just talked about buyers, is really focusing all your best energies on becoming a listing agent. Now, once you've reached the point where you have, you're very consistent in having the magic number of listings that you need at all times to meet or exceed your financial goals, we still want you to have two or three buyers that you're working with. So listing agents, as I said, this is a special message for you. Make sure you're still working with those buyers because the buyer into the market is where you're going to see the preference and home styles and market trends. That's where you're going to see it. You're not going to see it just focusing uh, purely on being a listing agent. As a listing agent, you're looking in the rear view mirror primarily about what's sold and you're kind of reading the tea leaves about what the values are doing. But when you're working with buyers, you're hearing directly from what they're telling you. Um, you lose track of, you'll become an ineffective listing agent or a less effective listing agent if you stop working with buyers. Now, here's the good news. Be very selective on the buyers you work with. You know, like I said, two or three and that's it. More than two or three, they're going to start taking too much time and they're going to just, you know, you won't have enough energy and time to focus on keeping your listing count where it's supposed to be. All the other buyer leads you have, which you will generate droves of because of your listings, you refer those buyer leads out. Some of you guys can build real estate teams around it. A lot of you, our friends at eXp Realty, can use it as an incentive for those uh, agents to want to be sponsored by them, all kinds of things. But moral of the story is, once you become a listing agent, You don't, you know, when you generate, you don't have to tolerate. And when you generate enough listings, you have enough consistent inventory, you will have for every one listing, you'll have probably, and I'm not even exaggerating guys, 10 or 20 buyer leads. Um, We'll show you how to put a system in place where those can be pre-qualified. Those can be referred off to buyer's agents in your marketplace. Uh, Now, some of you are going to say, why would I want to refer those buyer leads off? You know, then those buyer leads will become that agent's, you know, seller leads or, or, you know, listings when those that you know, buyer becomes a seller. Well, it's unfortunately, the fact is, it's most of those agents you're referring those buyer leads to, A, never want to become a listing agent. They only want to work with buyers. There are, I would say, a majority of the agents out there are only ever going to want to work with buyers. Um, again, it's a more social thing and less of a skills thing, especially when winning the business. Traditionally, it's been that way. We don't think it's going to be that way in the future. Um, and the secondary reason why a lot of agents are going to, you know, frankly, want to uh, take those buyer leads is because in your marketplace, they're already paying up towards to 40 to 50% for a buyer lead. So you can refer off a buyer lead to 25 or 30%. You're going to have tons and tons of agents who only want to work with buyers. Um, now, here's the second unfortunate truth. Some of those agents are going to be in the business five or seven years from now when that buyer becomes a seller. So even if you refer your buyer lead out to an independent agent in your marketplace for that 30% referral fee or whatever, still put that seller 
or put that buyer that they sold that was your referral in your database so you can make that your, treat them as if they're your center of influence and past client. You guys get it? And then when that seller goes to put, or that buyer goes to put their house for sale as a seller in five or seven years, you've been very effective at staying in communication with them. They'll just naturally think of you as their uh, previous agent. You guys get it? That's how you do it. That's right. They'll, yeah. they'll transact with the person who communicated regularly with them. And we prequel in uh, upcoming podcasts this week. We're going to talk about that. What you're referring to is uh, the referred buyer, but we also recommend that you adopt buyers into your database. So we'll get into more of that on a future podcast about nurturing your database. But I wanted to ask you, since you make a good point about, you know, we're talking about buyers today, and buyers are generally more abundant than sellers are. So if you are a really great listing agent, you've got that figured out, and you're having this thought, ah, maybe I should refer those buyers out so I get my time back. Maybe I can take more listings that way. How do you decide? Let's say I want to work with two to three buyers at all times. Who should I be working with if I'm being picky? Well, being that we sold real estate, I'll tell you the ones I worked with, frankly, were the ones that um, had the highest sale price Mm -hmm. that weren't jerks. Okay, so higher average and, sale price. And almost, if they're ideally, they're also our sellers, you know? Sellers who are also buyers. Yeah, it was, it's, it's impossible. You can't really effectively delegate outside of maybe your team, but even then, a high-end uh, seller who's now a buyer. You don't want to do that. You'll no. lose, you, you'll, that's bad. You'll make right. them mad. Right. Yeah. And yeah, so I mean, maybe you could do it yourself, but you might have a really high-quality, high-skilled buyer's agent, and we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's who I would choose personally. I would always work for the one, look for the ones that I frankly enjoyed working with. And, um, I would say higher end referrals, like a great past client yeah. that personally referred you, maybe an executive from their company. And the expectation is that they're going to work with you personally. But you know, in, even in those cases, sometimes Julie, I, I mean, I'm going to be selfish with my time, right? Sure. Opportunity cost. Mm-hmm. I was, I just look for the ones that are the highest sale price. I would agree. If you are doing that kind of handoff, It's really important listing agents, if you are going to give them to somebody on your team or a referral agent, that you stay part of that conversation so they don't feel like they were just instantly delegated. Well, look what like Zillow does. And look, you and I did the same thing. When we had a team of seven buyers agents that were working for us, we would have somebody that worked for us that was uh, essentially monitoring the relationship that that buyer had with our buyer's agent, even after the lead was essentially signed to that buyer's agent. Mm -hmm. The person was sort of essentially acting as a high-end concierge to make sure that the buyer was frankly being serviced correctly, not just from our buyer's agent, but also from the lender and all the other things. And so if the buyer's agent got a little lackadaisical on, you know, follow up or whatever, we'd find out about it through our concierge and maybe that buyer agent would lose that buyer if they weren't doing a good job taking care of them. One of the ironies of work when you're building a team, especially on the buyer side of the business, and you guys will all discover this if you haven't already, is you can like there's a certain amount of money that once a buyer agent has pending, even if you give them the world's greatest leads, they're not really going to work them that hard. And usually if they have enough financial security for 60 days is what we found. After that, you might as well just stop referring them buyer leads because they're just going to fumble them. They're going to lose them. They're not going to call up with them. They're going to tell you back, well, they weren't motivated or they're going to make some excuse why the lead went to hell. That's the reason we hired a uh, concierge to monitor that. And we also were monitoring whether their behavior was a little bit, you know, if if they hit the lazy button as soon as they had, uh, you know, two two deals pending. Well, it depends on their price point, right? Yeah. But I, I remember very clearly, as mm-hmm. soon as they had solid money for two months in a row, 
that was pretty much it. They were going to, yes. they stopped showing up for office meetings. They weren't doing mm-hmm. trainings. And now the average sell price or average commission is even higher. So you have to exactly. extra work out for that. Yeah, if right? you're in a Look marketplace where your average commission is, you know, $30,000 and <laughs> you're, you're good not, to go for a while. And you're, you're just dumping these leads on these buyer's agents that can pay all their bills for $10,000 a month. You got to think about that. That's kind mm-hmm. of going against human nature. It's only like 1% of 1% of 1% that's not going to be satisfied with just a little bit of marginal financial security. It's an unusual person that can think into the future more than like 60 or 90 days. Try that yourselves, listeners. Try to project yourself into the future. It's almost impossible. Um, Julie and I have done podcasts uh, about you know that topic. Psychologically, that's the reason it's hard for people to set goals ultimately. And that's, you know, you have to be very analytical with how you go about setting goals because the visualization and the emotional attachment to yourself in the future is almost impossible to manifest. It's literally been proven that that part of your brain doesn't see the future you the way you think that they do. Yeah. It's it, it the part of your brain and I forget where I read this originally but it is pretty interesting actually identifies the future you with the same I guess you'd call it brain cells or thought process as they do a stranger. Yeah, it's kind of weird, you know. Well, that is, so. you, when you and I were uh, you know, we've been married for 33 years. Mm-hmm. I heard you say 32 I on know. a podcast the other day. Yep. 33 years this year. And what Julie and I like we've done we've been more We've made more smart moves than dumb ones, but I'll tell you one of the smartest moves we made is we knew we were dumb. And how do I mean that? We we did not trust ourselves financially for a whole host of True. reasons, but we knew we had no software, no education uh, to actually accumulate any wealth. So we didn't trust ourselves. So what we would do is we would you know buy rental properties, we'd pay them off, and we would hold them in, in legal structures that made them impossible for us to refinance them. We call it money jail. And now we have dozens of homes that are basically in money jail. We were investing in future Tim and Julie. We were, yeah, we were essentially, we are not, we are buying insurance policies against future stupidity, right? Yes. I mean, that's, so like, you know, I'm sure all of you have done little, you know, little hedges like that to your own, uh, you know, short, really shortcomings is what we're talking about. But anyway, back to topic here. Working with buyers is an integral part of the real estate industry. Half the transactions are buyer side transactions. And if you want to be working in the buyer side of the business, what we're doing our best to encourage you to do, if you want to have that be your primary source of business, not listings, just get your game on. Up the ante. Start increasing all aspects. Like when you're becoming a listing agent, we tell you about the seven-step process, right? Generate the lead, pre-qualify, present. Uh, negotiate, close, and obviously uh, furiously fast lead follow-up. All those things apply. That's really five or six steps. All those things apply on the the buyer side as well. Um, And really, if you get good at buyer side uh, lead generation, and we've done tons of podcasts and coaching on that, you will, and by the way, we are not advocates of buying business. So that's going to be something you guys will feel, I think, really rejoiceful for is we're not just telling you to sign up for this company, this company, this company, and give all your profit away and referral fees. Um, so we're going to teach you how to actually generate your own leads. We're going to teach you how to pre-qualify those leads. We're going to teach you how to present to those leads in such a way that those buyers are going to agree to work exclusively with you. That's how you need to be rewiring your brain to think about the buyer side of the business because then you're going to have like, so if you had a listing board right now, this is the visualization for all you guys, and you had 10 listings up there, solid sellers all have to sell, great price, condition, location. I mean, that is about as close to being, you know, real estate rich as you're going to get because those are future paychecks for sure. Mm -hmm. Now, you don't ever feel the same way about buyers, do you? Because they can change their mind. Interest rates went this direction. You know, the wind's blew in that direction, right? Everything changes. Well, that's because you're working with people and giving them your life's energy that you have not actually put through a professional, you know, sifting and sorting mechanism to, you know, make it so they qualify to be on your 
um, in your life. In your schedule. And that's it. And so what we're teaching you guys to do, hopefully, on this show and on our coaching program is to start thinking of your your buyer sides, your buyer eight, your buyer deals as if they were listing deals. And then you're not going to want to work with a buyer. You can't take a listing without a listing contract. What if you can't work with a buyer without an buy, exclusive buyer agency contract in addition to your agency form? That's where you should be rewiring your brain because that is where the future is. And there's no doubt about it. That's not projection. That's 100% what's going to happen in the marketplace sooner than later. How the commissions are actually paid, that's going to be sort of a whole bunch of different ways of going about that. But you will have to have exclusive buyer agency contracts signed. Be no, there's no doubt about that. Well, so how do you get an exclusive agency signed? It is the logical conclusion to a great presentation. How do you get a buyer presentation? You sign up for Premier Coaching. It's not just about the buyer presentation. It's buyer prequalification scripts. It's the whole buyer mastery coaching that you get through Premier Coaching. There is more to it than we can give you on a short podcast. What we're doing is exposing you to the fact that you are going to have to provide value. You're going to have to articulate your value so that buyers choose you and additionally potentially deal with the commission question more than you have in the past in different ways. And how are you going to do that? You're going to systematically present to the buyer your value and then get the signature just as you would, to your point, on a listing contract. I get it. Some of you for generations have basically been working with all your buyers very socially. You know, you have something in common. Maybe it's easier it's a, to do. Maybe it's a hobby. Well, before the market changes and the rug is pulled out from underneath you, please take seriously what we're telling you so you can get ahead of this inevitable, uh, you know, it's really business biology. It's the evolution in the business process on the buyer side of the business. Take it seriously, guys, so you're not caught by surprise. We do think within 12 months or less, a lot of it related to the commission sharing lawsuits, you will see very significant differences in how agents work with buyers and buyers work with agents. Hopefully all this makes sense. Um, you know, ultimately, you guys have been warned. So take this seriously. We've made the path moving forward for you as easy as possible. Join Premier Coaching by going to premiercoaching.com. We'll scroll down and click the link below. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.